1: and curse the patriarchy.
0: We can't live with these shows and we can't live without them. But we can break down every juicy moment and unpack all the weird messages these shows send us about love, sex, and dating. Stop, drop, roll. Stop, drop, roll. Love Fire. Can you keep up? I like love it. Welcome to Love to See It, a podcast about whether men and women really can be friends. And how no one will ever want that wagon wheel coffee table.
1: Except for Bruno Kirby. That coffee table (laughs) was made just for him. Happy New Year, everyone. By the time you're listening to this, it will be 2023.
0: I never believed we would get there, but... I know. Oh my God. You guys are in the future. That's (laughs) wild. So today, we are going to be discussing a movie that is not only arguably the best rom-com of all time, but also a real holiday-slash-New Year's movie.
1: We are, of course, talking about When Harry Met Sally, and we'll be doing this without a guess, because we have too much to say. This movie is very close to both of our hearts. Yes. (laughs) Although I never really thought of it as a holiday movie or a New Year's movie, But then when we rewatched it for this, I was like, oh, like all the it's like the climactic moment is is New Year's Eve. And that's like a, a very important component of their love story.
0: Yeah, I think it definitely counts as a holiday movie because a lot of those big moments do tend to happen in the holiday season. It's sort of similar to You've Got Mail in that way, where like Nora uses the passage of this the seasons and the holidays as like markers of time and yeah. it is effective. So let's get into the background of when Harry met Sally. Uh, it came out in
1: 1989, one year after me. So I was, I was too <laughs> a good. A good time for me. It was directed by Rob Reiner and written by Nora Ephron and it stars, of course, Meg Ryan and Billy Crystal, with Carrie Fisher and Bruno Kirby in large supporting roles as their best friends. It's really almost a four-person movie and primarily a two-person movie, um, which is one of the beautiful parts of it, I think.
0: Yeah. And the film was inspired by Rob Reiner's return to dating after divorce. He kind of had the idea for this movie when he had been out of his marriage with Penny Marshall, who is another great director. She directed movies like A League of Their Own, Big, The Preacher's Wife. They divorced in 1981. And a few years after their divorce, he was sort of throwing himself back into his single life and felt like the germ of of an idea there. And he was also friends with Nora Ephron, who was, of course, a journalist by trade. And her interview of Rob Reiner became the basis for the character of Harry. Yeah, they really based Harry and Sally on
1: conversations that they were having about like being back out on the dating scene mm-hmm. as a man, as a woman, what their experiences of of that were like. And all these personal quirks and details that Harry and Sally have were taken like directly from Nora and Rob which is um just like imagine Nora Ephron like ordering a salad with the uh,
0: oil and vinegar on the side like literally she is Sally (laughs) it's and that's why it's so perfect and why these characters I think feel so specific in a way that works so well because because they are the references are specific
1: yeah and it's these details that could seem really insufferable like both Harry and Sally have traits that are quite unlikable like Do you want to be the person who's torturing (laughs) some poor waitress at a diner with how you want the apple pie a la mode, but only if it's strawberry ice cream and only if it's on the side and if not whipped cream, but not if it's from a can and then nothing, but then the pie is cold. Like, you're the jerk in this scenario. And yet because, you know, we're all imperfect and because it's seen through the eyes of this woman for herself and Rob for his dear friend. You know, there's a warmth that you see that that's just part of the unique person she is. It's the part of her that maybe sucks a little bit, but in a way, it's also adorable. And and we all suck a little bit. Exactly. Truth. And we need our partner who's, <laughs> who sees that as like, wow, she's so good at ordering. <laughs> and so, as we said, a lot of the dialogue, you know, is based on their conversations, like taken directly from their conversations And most of the movie
0: is this, like, running conversation between Harry and Sally. Yeah, they're, like, working out their own ideologies and their own feelings about how straight men and straight women can and should be interacting and what that looks like, I think, specifically within their milieu in New York City, that sort of, like, yuppie, professional, successful class in New York City in in the mid to late 80s. So the other part of the movie is obviously these, like,
1: interstitials with different elderly couples about how they met. And those are also based on interviews that Nora Ephron did. She basically just did a bunch of interviews. Like, it was a very journalistic approach to making a movie. And she interviewed real couples and turned those into scripts.
0: I love it. And that's also why those stories are so good.
1: I know. And each one is so unique. (laughs) And, again, like, those people don't seem entirely... Likeable, but they really like each other. And that's that's how they pop off the screen. Exactly. So the original plan was for Harry and Sally to part ways at the end of the movie.
0: Wild. It is so wild. I cannot imagine. And part of that was because Rob Reiner was out in the world dating and having a really <laughs> tough time finding a partner. And so he wasn't yeah. feeling super... <laughs> Like rosy and romantic. As a creative, of course, he was like, "I haven't ended up with someone, <laughs> so how can I
1: even conceive of a way that two people might end up together?" But I also kind of get it. Like,
0: like when you're throwing yourself into an art project, it is like writing what you know. And so, it's, it's just funny to me case. because
1: when I was single, all I did was come up with realistic fantasies of how. Two people might end up together. Like that was how I coped. I was like, well, obviously just this, this, and this would happen, and then you're in love
0: forever. Oh no, and- see, I was like really <laughs> into other people's ideas of that. But like in my own work and writing, it was just like all like depression breakout yeah. themed.
1: You're you're you are Rob Reiner. <laughs> yeah. But fortunately for all of us, um, and for the movie, I think, because I don't yes. think it would have stuck no. with a sad ending he fell in love with photographer Michelle Singer on set during the making of the movie. And they got married. They they remain married to this day. And suddenly he believed in love again. He was like, I see how it can happen. Let's have Harry and
0: Sally get together at the end. Thank God. Thank God for
1: Michelle Singer. What a gift. Yeah,
0: she really is the unsung hero behind this movie. If not for Michelle Singer... We wouldn't have this gem. We
1: might We might not have, like, the whole Nora Ephron and canon. Meg Ryan canon. Like, this movie launched Meg Ryan. It was the beginning of this beautiful working relationship with Nora Ephron. Like, would Nora Ephron have ever been given the go-ahead to make all of these movies? Like, we're looking at a
0: whole alternative reality here if it I weren't know. for
1: this moment of... Of true love and connection. I'm just so glad that Rob
0: Reiner found (laughs) happiness for all of us. I'm often so grateful when a divorced man (laughs) finds love again. And this is one of those moments. (laughs) Something that was interesting to me in kind of looking back at the initial coverage of this movie is that it premiered to really mixed reviews. And I do wonder if part of that is that, like this, as you said, kind of launched the late 80s like in the 90s version of the like classic Mm rom-com and we sort of weren't in that era yet until when harry met sally happened so the Mm -hmm. critics who are of course mostly men like seemed kind of confused by it the new york times called it a, a quote amazingly hollow film and kept invoking woody allen (laughs) <laughs> also said that it was the quote sitcom version of a Woody Allen film and a Woody Allen wannabe full of canned romance. I, it's like hard for me to
1: imagine having this reaction to when Harry met Sally, but I do think you're right that it was probably felt a, a, a like a new sort of more brightly lit, more quippy version of this kind of movie that already did exist, which was like the New York Rom like romantic comedy, and the Woody Allen version is much more like neurotic and like with the auteur aesthetic. Uh, you know, the, it, it it's not the same as when Harry met Sally. They're different, but you can definitely see the the influence of Woody Allen. Sure, you know the the two like sort of smart, you know, friends slash lovers wandering the city in their. You know, practical yuppie clothes, like talking about ideas. The very Jewish-coded man, <laughs> yeah,
0: created by Jews. And,
1: and this one goes a, a different direction. It's it's more bright. It's more um, optimistic. It's funnier, in my opinion. And there isn't a seventeen-year-old that a forty-year-old man is in love with in it. Well, and as so we know, we obviously,
0: no, it's not as deep. yeah. That is what depth is. Is um. <laughs> When the guy directing it and starring in it is a fucking creep. So. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. If only Rob Reiner had fallen in love with someone less age appropriate, the New York Times may have found his film. He'd be like, oh, we got to recast it. We got to (laughs)
1: recast the daughter of this lady I know. I think it's going to be perfect. Then I'm going to invite her to Paris. Um, Yeah, it's it was it was at the beginning of a big a big wave of movies that defined how a lot of us millennials think of romantic right. comedies. And yeah, probably it felt the way to watch it that it would feel, you know, to come out of that and to watch, like, the first, like, 40-year-old virgin or, you know, the first, like, bro rom-com where you're just like, what is this? <laughs> like, it's not like, it's sort of like the movies that I like, but there's something different about it that I just don't care for. <laughs> <laughs> I can't put my finger on. Um, but it, it was a huge hit with audiences. Yeah, it was a great commercial success. Because it's hilarious and delightful. Yeah, it's
0: delightful. It's a perfect movie. I literally watched this movie four times in the last two days. And I wasn't upset. I wasn't bored. I literally could finish this movie and immediately start it again and be happy. And there are very few yeah. movies that I can say that about.
1: Yeah. It's one of those movies where I was watching it on the couch and um, Greg came in. He was taking a break from his work. And he was trying to, like, look at something on his phone. And I kept, like, elbowing him and being like, this is a great scene. He's like, every scene. This <laughs> is a great scene. You're saying scene. about every You're scene. like, yes, correct. And then you're quoting, like, every line <laughs> of it. <laughs> and then, like, watching me to see if I'm laughing. I'm like, yeah, because it's the perfect movie. I'm sorry. Oh. Um, But why don't we get into the recap? Yeah. Because every line is perfect. So I tried not to write down every line. I know, it's so hard. hard. It's so hard because every line is so quotable. I know. Like this is like in, um, in You've Got Mail when Joe is like, The Godfather has a line for everything, and then he thinks of, like, two lines, and they're not even that applicable to anything. This movie actually has lines that are actually applicable to everything. Everything. (laughs) So we begin at the University of Chicago. It's 1977. Harry and Sally are carpooling from Chicago to New York. They are both headed there post-graduation, and they were set up in this carpool by his girlfriend and Sally's friend, Amanda Reese. Amanda Rice, whose name is seared <laughs> into my brain. No, it's Reese. I will never forget that. And this is such a, a, an adorable throwback to a time before just getting on a plane, I guess. I was like, who would do this now? Like, I guess they
0: have a lot of stuff.
1: Yeah, but like the idea of like getting set up with a guy you barely know to drive across the country i feel like people aren't as into that idea now there used to be like message in college and stuff for in these college kind of there pulls. was
0: a new york between new york and montreal facebook group and we would literally like find people to like all rent a car with and drive <sighs> down to new york from montreal and that was like fairly like, long because i'm just thinking of college yeah, it's just very college. Just it's very college. It's such a college thing. It's a very college thing. Also, I was like, this is a throwback to a time before Google Maps because oh, yeah. they are just like Sally like has the giant map and she's like, I marked on here different junctions where we can switch and take shifts driving. I also love the idea that they break down their driving by mileage. <laughs>
1: Like, why would you want to do
0: this? (laughs) Well, we're establishing early on that Sally is extremely controlled. She has her systems for everything.
1: Yeah, and she's like, there are two possible systems. The important thing is that we just pick one and we (laughs) stick to it. So, during the drive, they have a lively conversation while he is spitting his grape seeds out of the window. Watching this movie is how I learned that grapes used to come with seeds in them. (laughs) I had never had a seeded grape in my life. I was like, what is he doing? <laughs> he's spitting the seeds out the window, and he's explaining to her that he has
0: a dark side, like a real dark that's side. That's why he always... He spends hours, days thinking That's why he, he always death. reads the last page of a book before he starts. In, in case, case he, he
1: dies. In case he dies, <laughs> so that he'll know how it turns out. And he's like, that, my friend, is the dark side. <laughs> And Sally is his opposite. She's an optimist. She has a sunny disposition. She's basically a happy person. And she doesn't think that means that she's in deep or anything. Harriet's clear thinks that you have to have a really dark side to be deep, because when the shit goes down, he's going to be prepared by his hours and days spent thinking about death. They take a break at a diner to eat. Ugh. Such an iconic scene. <laughs> they stop. They're talking about the final scene of Casablanca. She's like, she didn't want to stay
0: and be with a Who man. Who owns a bar. <laughs> Who owned a she, bar. When, when she could be the a first lady of Czechoslovakia. Women are very practical, even Ingrid Bergman. And that is
1: why she gets on the plane at the end <laughs> of the movie. She's spraying her hair with hairspray inside the car, which is actually very inconsiderate. And they go in the diner to, to order dinner. And she, of course, makes the bananas order in which everything has a modification and everything is on the side. And she tells him that her boyfriend, Shell, broke up with her because she had days of the week underpants and she didn't have Sunday because of God. Because of God, they don't make Sunday.
0: <laughs> but this is where we see Harry kind of try to like push the bounds of their of their platonic relationship for the first time. He's it's, it's been, been like six, six hours. hours. He's, He's down. Ready. He's like my girlfriend's <laughs> in the back mirror. We're out. He's like, you're a very attractive person, and she's very clear. She's like, we're we're just gonna be friends. And this is where Harry makes the declaration that is kind of at the core of this movie. He's like, the thing is, men yeah. and women can't be friends because the sex thing always gets in the way. Whether or not the woman wants to have sex with him, whether or not really he's even attracted to the woman, it's just there, hanging.
1: The problem, as he's admitting, is men. Like, the reason men and women can't be friends is is men. But... This is such a Nora thing. The movie has a thesis statement. It's like, here is the argument of the movie that we are going to wrestle over. Just like you've got mail with the, the big box store that will ultimately win over the neighborhood. Here we have this question of opposite sex friendship and whether it's even possible. And she's like, well, well, what if you don't find a woman attractive? And he's like, nope, you pretty much still want to nail them too. And so sex is
0: just, it's just already out there. There's nothing. You and can Sally do. is understandably like, okay, well, I guess we will not be being friends.
1: She's like, it's too bad. You are the only person I knew in New York.
0: She drops him off in Washington Square Park. I was like, where's he going? Who can say? <laughs> but he's going to live yeah. in the arch of Washington Square Park. And then they don't speak again for five years. They run into each other. At the airport, where Sally is making out with her new boyfriend, who also happens to be Harry's old neighbor, Joe. I also learned that Joe is played by Gerald Ford's son. Yeah, Yeah. Stephen, I think.
1: And he, I mean, he and Sally together are a hilarious couple because they match and like she is in her corporate blonde 80s power suit. She's got the the corporate blowout, her, like, fluffy, straight bob. And he has, like, the perfectly combed, like, severe part down the side, blonde hair. And they're, like, long faces. They just look like a matching oh, Barbie yeah. and Ken corporate set. <laughs> She's finally met her match. <laughs> and he interrupts them making out to catch up with Joe. He doesn't acknowledge Sally in any overt way and Sally does remember him she's like thank God he didn't remember me his whole thing is that men and women can't be friends and I remember that very clearly and Joe is like oh that's not true and she's like do you have any women friends just friends and he was like no but I'll get one if it's important to you (laughs) such a sweet boyfriend Sally and Joe are the one, or or Sally and Harry are the ones who end up on the plane and they end up sitting right by each other. And then Harry does admit that he recognizes her.
0: Well, I think it is triggered by the fact that she starts making modifications to her drink order on the plane. because what what more does
1: a flight attendant want to deal with than someone specifying exactly how much Bloody Mary mix is going to go into their regular tomato juice as they're getting everyone settled? And he's like, University of Chicago, right? He asked to switch with her seatmate. They sit together, and they just start bickering again, of course. He reveals that he is getting married which really tickles her because, as she says, that just seems very optimistic of you, <laughs> Harry, which it does. He's like 26,
0: and 27 he is feeling optimistic. Point. He's just, he's like, that's what yeah. falling in love does to you. And this, again, this is such a Rob Reiner thing. Like, Rob's, uh, as his own admission, his entire view on love changes depending on his personal relationship status. And that is also true of <laughs> yeah. Harry. Yeah. Am I in love right now? <laughs>
1: then love is great. But of course, as he also says, he just was really tired of dating and just like how boring. Honestly, frankly, like, was. relatable. <laughs> this is the thing about Harry is that it's always hard to pick apart what is his genuine cynicism and coldness about women and what is his sort of masculine front over his tender soft feelings which is that he loves his soon-to-be
0: wife helen and he wants to be with her forever. yeah something that i actually love about harry is that he is the more emotionally reactive character but as we all know men
1: can be quite emotional they can be anger is an emotion that is- and harry's feelings do tend to come out as anger <laughs> Uh, He tries to convince her to go out for dinner at their destination and be friends. He's like, we're both in relationships. So sex is off the table. So that's a modification to my original claim. And then he's like, but then again, you know, then uh, your partners will always wonder, like, why do you need the friendship? And what am I not fulfilling? And then you'll have to say like, oh, nothing that you're not fulfilling. And
0: then they'll be like, well, you must find them attractive. And so I guess then that brings us back to where we were. Sally's like, okay, Harry, goodbye. I'm (laughs) going to move ahead on this moving walkway. And we are are never going to speak again, except they do five years later when they are both at relationship junctures. Yes. Five years
1: later, 32 and Joe and Sally have just broken up. We learned this over a charming lunch with her two friends, Marie and Alice. And she seems really well-adjusted about it.
0: Um, Her friend Marie, played by Carrie Fisher, is the one who seems really anxious on her behalf, frankly. Uh, Because she is... she's like, you gotta start. I'm getting out my Rolodex of available. Marie (laughs) is very anxious. She has been involved with a married man who everyone agrees, including her, is never gonna leave his wife. She's just, like, in a dead-end place in her relationships. and. She doesn't, like, agree, but when
1: everyone reminds her that he's never going to leave her she's like, no, I you're, know, right, I know, you're, you're right, you're right, I know you're right. But she clearly keeps convincing herself again that he might, because every time she discovers he spent $120 on a nightgown for his wife, she's devastated <laughs> again. Because why would he buy a nice nightgown for his wife if he
0: was going to leave her? Carrie Fisher is, is so iconic. Um, Incredible. And, and Sally's like, you know, I'm... Blah, blah, blah. And like, and Marie's like, oh, because the, the clock is ticking. Right. And I think I think they're actually 31 at this point. The next year, they're 32. Mm. Um, and Sally says the clock doesn't really start ticking until 36. Just like very like assuredly. <laughs> and I really think this line stuck with me because for some reason I'm like, oh, 36. Like, like, and like I am about to be I'm going to be 36 in, um, you know, six months. So then that's
1: fine. Her, her her friend like Alice looks at her with this like look of horror and is like, God, you sound so healthy. <laughs> like there's something wrong with how healthy you sound. Yeah, the 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 idea of like the clock not starting ticking until you're 36 is interesting to me because I think that like people nowadays, like I would think of like back then everyone must have felt so much more anxious. Than us, but I don't think that that's the like. I don't think that we've like moved the timeline later of when women are supposed to start getting freaked out about the clock ticking. Like, I still feel like 31 to 36 is right in that window where people are like, Yeah, you gotta, you gotta start thinking, ladies. Um, but she is, she's not worried about it. She's like, Joe and I weren't right for each other. I've moved on. I don't need to start dating some guy just because he might die. I'm in a mourning period. I'm in a mourning period. And meanwhile, Harry is at a football game doing the wave with his best friend, Jesse, played by Bruno Kirby, and explaining in between rounds of the wave that his wife, Helen, left him,
0: called movers, and they showed up at his home before. (laughs) he knew that she would be moving out yeah i think they arrived at the
1: door right as she was telling him that she was moving out and the mover shows the movers open the door and one of them is wearing a shirt that says don't fuck with mr zero (laughs) (laughs) he finds out she booked them a week before and they're like a week before she told me mr zero knew. Mr. Zero knew before. before I also
0: love the idea that like, I mean, these two men are just having an emotional conversation, but it's like they're only allowed to do that because they're at a football game. Like, this is the
1: venue. And I think that that is how, like, it's so the two genders. It's like the women are at lunch facing each other. The activity is really to talk to each other. The men are at a football game facing away from each other. But if they talk about their feelings while they do that, like, that's just a side activity. I do think that's 100% how how men and
0: women are socialized. Yes. To socialize with each other. Yeah, and it is so great because you can tell that Harry and Jess, like, they aren't paying attention, really, to the football game. They're just talking to each other. But that is the venue that they have, like, the permission structure to, like, talk about feelings in.
1: Yeah, And that is like when Greg goes to a game with his dad or his brother or his friend, that's where they talk about things. I go to dinner with my friends and that's when I talk about things. Um, And the way that that men are taught to kind of just sort of not be looking at each other when they're having these conversations. It's like you have this this third distraction, I think is such an interesting difference in how men and women are taught to express themselves sometimes i feel like it would be nice to have that because be a little more low pressure (laughs) like what if you don't have anything much to say just watch the game right relax later sally is at a bookstore with her best friend marie and harry is there watching them look at health self-help books and marie (laughs) leans over to sally and whispers someone is staring at you in personal growth such a good line this is the scene that this is the scene that inspired you've got mail because the bookstore Shakespeare and Company later closed when you know Barnes and Noble swept the city, and that was like the seed of the idea. It makes so of much sense you've got mail I it's was all like connected. Nora
0: loves bookstores <laughs> Nora loves when bookstores facilitate love matches.
1: they're a goddamn piazza. <laughs>
0: And so Harry does remember Sally this time and they start chatting and she's like, yeah, Joe and I broke up recently. And he's like, well, I'm getting a divorce. And so they end up going to lunch and just being like, what happened with you guys? And they commiserate together about their breakups. And that kind of allows them to start a genuine friendship where romance and sex are kind of off the table.
1: What's interesting to me about this conversation is that Sally is more open with Harry than she is with her girlfriends. And there is this sense that like, they've both been sort of wounded and they see that in each other. Yeah. And so they feel um, a kinship and a similarity with each other. Whereas even with your friends, you might not want to be totally open about how hurt you are or or what worries you because you they're, they're in a different place in their life and you don't want to seem pathetic to them and they don't have to feel that way with each other because they're both and so sally reveals to harry that her breakup with joe was rooted in this difference about having marriage and kids and that they had always agreed they didn't want those things that they got to have this wonderful life where they weren't tied down and they could fly off to rome at a moment's notice they could have sex on the kitchen floor without worrying about the kids coming in and then she realized one day when she was out with her, her friend Alice's daughter for the day that she did want a family. She has this very emotion, emotional reaction to the little girl pointing out a family that she sees. And she starts to cry. And she tells Joe, we never do any of those things. You know, we never have sex on the kitchen floor. It's just this very cold, hard Mexican I ceramic tile." <laughs> And she says, this is what I want. And he says, well, I don't. And that's it. And so it's clear that there's something actually very deeply emotional going on that she's hiding, but also that she's able to tell herself, at least, that it wasn't about her. They just wanted different things. They had this beautiful relationship. They chose each other, but they had to prioritize what they wanted for their lives. And so that was the reason they had to break up.
0: Yeah, she sort of talks about him as like, he was limited. He gave to me what he could give. He <laughs> couldn't give me these things that I want. So it's not personal. And that that's her yeah. self-protective
1: mechanism. He was just a limited, limited man. <laughs> <laughs> and And so, yeah, this is when they become friends. And not just friends, they're sort of like platonic rebounds for each other. They're immediately... Serving the role that a partner serves. They both have friends, of course, but there is something that they have both gotten accustomed to about having like a grown up partner, someone that you live with, someone that you do everything with. And they've recently lost that. And so they're like, well, now I have another man or woman to call to like. Talk late at night when I'm lonely, or to help me buy a rug, or to go to a museum date with me. They like fulfill that empty role that isn't quite the same as what your other friends who had these like full busy lives going on. It also
0: means that we get these really great shots of them just all over New York City, walking in Central Park, going to the the, yeah with their little going to art museums. (laughs) Like it's just. It is these great snapshots.
1: And again, like, this is also like the, the You've Got Mail thing where the correspondence between them over the computer, you know, that's where Nora Ephron is getting her, like, little conversational witticisms out. This is this is where most of that Yeah, lives. on it's, their walks and their long, outings. These walks, yeah. We also
0: get the great scene where they're in the Metropolitan Museum of Art and Billy Crystal does a full ad-lib, where he goes into a voice and talks about, like, the paprikash (laughs) and asks her to repeat. I would like some pepper on my paprikash. Not to repeat this time. Um, And that was fully just a Billy Crystal joking around, telling Meg Meg Ryan to repeat after him. And at one point, you can see Meg Ryan looks slightly off camera to see if she could, if she, if, like, she should keep going. (laughs) And they kept that take because it's just so delightful.
1: That's why you get Billy Crystal because he's just going to do some weird (laughs) shit. And you're like, yeah, sometimes guys are weird. Let's do it. Um, And he uses that voice to ask her out in a way. It's a sort of vague. It's one of those things where, you know, most of the relationships lives, lives in this gray space where it's like, I'm asking you out to do a thing that would normally be a date. But it's not probably because of the setup of our relationship But he's putting on this little voice and asking her out to dinner that night. And then she has to break character and reveal to him that she has a date that night. And he's obviously a little crestfallen. But he's like,
0: no, of course, that's great. And then this is when they both kind of start actively dating again. Yeah.
1: She's like, Harry, it's time. You got to get back out there. I mean, that's the thing. It's There's this ambiguity in the moment of like, is he a little sad that she's dating because he's a little jealous? Or is he sad that this time when they are that for each other and they never have to worry that their friend is going to be busy right.
0: on a date? Is over. And like, it's probably both, and it's probably not yeah. even something that the character of Harry is, like, attuned to necessarily, like, or is taking the time to decipher. No, he's definitely <laughs> not. He is not. They start dating again, and, of course, they date in very different ways. Sally is going out on dates with people and not having sex with them, and these <laughs> men are doing things, like, taking strands of her hair to floss with at the table, at, like— this is a horrifying image.
1: Yeah. They get to be confidants now about how terrible dating is. There's also, this is the scene where I did have, like, a screeching halt moment where I was like, whoa, that did not age well. Oh, yeah. Where Harry makes, like, is like, my date is the same. Also sucked. She didn't laugh at my, like, racist joke about Ethiopian food. I was like, Harry, maybe she is just unempathetic and kind-hearted They did <laughs> still have sex, though. <laughs> yes, of course. Also, I so, want to say that
0: Carrie has a gorgeous loft. It's like, man, real, real estate oh, yeah. in the 80s. It was a different game. He's a
1: political consultant, and when you are a political consultant in the 80s, you could basically do whatever you want, I guess. And she's a journalist, and she also has a lovely apartment. In Manhattan.
0: It was different. It was the 80s.
1: It was a different time. It was a different time. And then we cut to the bedding cages where Harry is bullying a child (laughs) and explaining to Jesse the benefits of having a platonic female friend. He's like, finally, I can be honest with the woman. I don't have to lie to her to get her into bed. It's growth.
0: I'm growing. I'm glad it takes men until their 30s to realize things like this. That's
1: Well, the wonderful thing about this is that he's like, well, obviously I still have to lie to women to get them into bed. (laughs) Just
0: not her. But
1: if I... Just not her because we're not going to sleep together. There are the two groups of women, the ones you lie to to get them (laughs) into bed and the ones you can be honest with because you're never going to sleep with them anyway. This is actually the great lesson that Harry has to learn over the course of the movie, which is that honesty is the basis for a much more fulfilling r- romantic and sexual relationship as well as a friend yeah a series of lies
0: yes yes
1: <laughs> and speaking of such honesty next we have the iconic Katz's delicatessen scene oh my god <sighs> I think that, like, everyone probably knows this scene. Yeah, this is
0: the orgasm even scene, even if you've never
1: seen them. <laughs> this
0: is the orgasm scene. This is when Sally is like, Are you sure that the women you're sleeping with never fake their orgasms? And Harry is like, Absolutely not. Of course they don't with me. He's like, I'm I amazing. Could tell. I could always I'm tell. Sorry. She's like, Oh, you could tell. It's interesting because, like, most men never think that anyone has faked an orgasm with them, but most women have faked orgasms. So, like, the math isn't mathing.
1: Yeah. And then Sally, without any warning very competently fakes a so screaming orgasm at it the It builds, though.
0: She really, she commits so hard to oh, this. Oh, no! know. You keep thinking it's over. You're like, that
1: sounded like the grand finale. And no, she continues Apparently, for quite some time. Apparently,
0: this was Meg Ryan's idea.
1: Yes. <laughs> Which is, that actually made me really happy because you watch something like this that does feel like it could be pretty uncomfortable to do on set. And you like to think that it was a self-assignment. And it was. You know?
0: And it was. I also... That she was like, no, this is actively something that I think is a great idea that I would love to exactly. do. Exactly. Also, arguably the most quoted line from this movie, I'll have what she's having, is uttered by another customer at the deli, who is played by Rob Reiner's mother, which I just always love. It's <laughs> such a good, fun fact.
1: At this point, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back with the rest of When Harry Met Sally.
0: This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Sometimes there will be something that is just like nagging at me, bothering me about something in my life, and I just swirl it around and around and around in my head and don't quite know how to address it. And something that can really help me sort that through and like take action is therapy.
1: I completely agree. I've been really stressed lately because I've just been getting sick over and over again. And before I know it, I'm feeling a lot of emotions and I don't even connect where they're coming from with the actual origin. We all carry around these stressors, right? And when we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively.
0: Therapy is a great safe space to get things off of your chest and figure out how to actually work through whatever's weighing you down.
1: If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try.
0: It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just
1: fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge.
0: Get it off your chest with BetterHelp.
1: Visit BetterHelp.com
0: love to see it today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash love to see it. Okay, so you got engaged. Congrats. Now you may be wondering what comes next. I love to be able to hop on that Zola registry and just purchase a gift. Easy peasy. I know I've done it. I won't forget. Thank you, Zola.
1: Yeah, everything's all in the same place. It's perfect. Start planning at Zola.com. That's
0: Z-O-L-A.com. Anyone who's been listening to this podcast for a while or even not that long knows that we love article. I mean, honestly, I'm looking around my home right now. Coffee tables. From Article. That lovely chair out on my deck. Article. Our big console. Article. My bed frame. Article. This is an Article household. It
1: is. And it's, I mean, it was an inspiration to me. We finally got our first Article piece of furniture recently. Our new couch. And... My husband and I are both constantly just like, how did we live before this couch? This is such an improvement over what we had before. It's so comfortable. It just seems to get more comfortable every day. I mean, it's the couch you dream of.
0: looks good doing it.
1: Article is offering our listeners $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more.
0: To claim, visit article.com slash LTSI, and the discount will be automatically applied at checkout.
1: That's article.com slash LTSI for $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more.
0: And we are back, and now it's holiday time. They're like getting a Christmas tree together. They're platonic dates to New Year's Eve party. They're dancing cheek to cheek. They're just having a great time. And they're like, if next year we're both single, we'll be each other's dates on New Year's again.
1: Yeah, they, they have that like that packed style friendship. You know, it's like if we're not married by the time we're 40, we'll just marry each other. Like if we don't have a date, you'll be my date. They get to live in that, in that space of like, we're almost date- Like, we can kiss each other on the mouth at New Year's Eve. And it's not totally romantic, but it's a little bit romantic because, I mean, you're a man and I'm a woman and it's the 80s. <laughs> and that's all we know.
0: <laughs> I also like that in this movie we get two rounds of holiday seasons because this movie takes place over years. Even this, like, meaty part. It's over the course of yeah. two years.
1: Well, that's a very important part of what makes this a holiday movie to me is that it's very thematically important that there are two holiday seasons and that they're so different mm-hmm. because when they're having the holidays together, they're having fun. They're getting the Christmas tree together and carrying it down the street. And it's not even that hard. They're laughing. They're going to parties together later when they're on the outs at Christmas time. It's very sad. The city is a lonely and grim place. And you really just need someone at the holidays, right? <laughs> and that's my Christmas wish.
0: This is also when we get the greatest double date <laughs> setup scene in oh history. God. Because Harry and Sally are like, you're single, I'm single, we each have a best friend who's also single. Let's like Harry's like, I'll set you up, Sally, with Jess. And Sally's like, Great, I'll set you up with Marie. And of course, Marie and Jess are not into Harry and Sally at all. (laughs) And which I mean, thank God. Because imagine
1: that they start dating each other's best friends, and then there's just this lingering sexual tension between them, (laughs) even though they're dating each other's best friends. What a disaster. Um, as the as the date is approaching. Jesse is trepidatious about meeting Sally because Harry has said she has a good personality, (laughs) which we all know means means she definitely can't be attractive. Even if Harry insists that she is. Just the words good personality, you put them out there, it's the death knell for a woman. Men actively don't want you to have a good personality. (laughs) They're like, I would prefer if you didn't because at least then I could be sure you were definitely objectively attractive. But good personality just like... Money's the waters. (laughs) Money's the waters. (laughs) And over dinner, the two couples are miserable. Uh, Sally looks like she wants to die as Jesse goes on and on about Jimmy Breslin,
0: the reason he became a writer, (laughs) and she like doesn't like Jimmy Breslin. Even though they are both journalists who write for New York magazine, they they're not down with each other.
1: Sometimes that's the problem. If she wanted to just date another writer, I'm sure she meets plenty of yeah, them. Yeah, well, Exactly. And if you feel really strongly about which writers matter and your partner's like, I feel strongly otherwise because I'm also a writer and I'm informed and have strong opinions about this, that's going to be a problem, which is why you should never date another writer. And I've made a huge mistake. Harry and Marie can't even get a conversation going. They're like, "Oh, Sally you're is from like New you're Jersey. both from New Jersey." Huh. <laughs> and they're like, "Oh." <sighs> Harry volunteers that Sally is a great orderer at restaurants, and Jesse, like truly the worst date of all time, his response is restaurants are overrated. Like you don't need to be a dick. He's such a like, dick to
0: Sally. <laughs> how is that a response to what he said about about your date? Also, they're at a restaurant, whatever. Marie yeah. Marie agrees then, and she quotes Jesse's own writing back to him, which, like, is obviously just insane catnip for a writer. <laughs> oh, yeah. This is actually
1: another parallel with you've got mail where the writer failed love interest rejects our lead for woman who is more impressed by his
0: work. I was gonna say like there are (laughs) shades
1: of Greg Kinnear here 100% like the way that that the the male writer reacts (laughs) when a woman praises his work just like Changes
0: his whole personality. I feel like and Nora behavior. just like had to get that in. She's like, I have worked with oh, a yeah. lot of male journalists who are so far up their own asses.
1: <laughs> she has a chip on her shoulder about male writers, you know, the size of a Christmas ham. And I frankly do not. I enjoy her, it, <laughs> given what she went <laughs> yeah. through. um But it's hilarious. Also, I love. Also, that the, the, quote the quote is so dumb. <laughs> What is it? It's like restaurants are to people in the 80s what theater is to people in the 60s. he's like, I also wrote pesto is the quiche of the 80s. And it's like, these are not interesting (laughs) (laughs) or well-made points. But Maria's like, I've never quoted a magazine before. It just, I just think it's so interesting. They immediately hit it off. And it's so obvious that Sally and Harry split off and talked to their friends. Marie and Jesse each want to call the other person instead of the person they were set up with. And Sally and Harry are each like, that's fine. Just wait a few days. My friend Sally, my friend Harry, they're a little vulnerable right now. So don't reject them tonight. And they're like, of course. They immediately then get (laughs) in a cab
0: together. And then I guess move in together. We never see them apart again. They're just... They're (laughs) together. They're obsessed with each other. And we next see Harry and Sally shopping for a housewarming gift for them at sharper image At sharper
1: image i loved
0: i love that sharper image makes an appearance (laughs) because it truly it truly was a store that you just like wander around and like touch everything see i don't
1: think i've ever been in a sharper image like i don't think that we had one in my area we had one in the
0: mall Yeah,
1: yeah we didn't have one in the mall i don't think at least not by the time i was like frequenting the mall But um, it just, I was like, oh, so it's like an in-person airplane catalog. Sort of. Like, it's SkyMall. Like, they're like, oh, a battery-operated pith helmet with fan. And she's like, what purpose does this serve in anyone's life? Like, every product is just that. And then comes the moment that I find somehow even more unbelievable than the orgasm scene. Like, every year that I watch this, I find this scene more shocking and unbelievable. But this is what happens. Harry sees a karaoke machine, or, I'm sorry, a singing machine. He puts in a tape for Surrey with the Fringe on top from Oklahoma. (laughs) And he starts singing it at full volume, on the mic, to the whole store. They both do. And everyone just goes about their business. And I'm like, this is weird. <laughs> like, this is odd behavior. If someone just started doing this at a quiet you would notice. store, you would notice. It would be a whole thing. And they're having fun. They're goofing around, doing sorry with the fringe on top when Harry stops singing because he has seen Helen approaching him. His ex-wife Helen is at Sharper Image. With Ira, Ira. the four of them meet. It's very, very awkward. Helen made like a big impression on me from my early days watching it because she embodies this like 80s style that I don't think I was very I was just like, what is she has like the long sleek hair, but then just the front is kind of bouffanted up. You know what I mean? Like this little like crown around her head. Very eighties. Then the rest of it is really long and sleek, and she has like the giant long skirt suit on, and she introduces them to Ira. She leaves, and Harry's like, "She looked bad. Her legs looked thick. I think she's (laughs) retaining water." That woman
0: saved everything. And Sally's like, "I've never met her. I don't." Sally's like, "Harry, no." Just the, we get to see that,
1: that male instinct to... Belittle a woman's body. Viciously belittle a woman's body
0: the minute that she has hurt him. So, one of the many accuracies in this movie. Yeah. He is clearly knocked off his axis by this interaction. And so by the time they get to Jess and Marie's new place, he's like primed to just explode. That's someone, anyone.
1: Or everyone. And so while Maria and Jesse are arguing over Jesse's wagon wheel coffee table and whether he has good taste, doesn't. which he does not, I, I, I think- I have you know, to
0: agree this table is heinous.
1: Why would you want a coffee table where the hub just kind of, of the wheel is kind of poking through the middle, just on a practical level? Also, it's very ugly. It's so ugly. And it doesn't fit with any of the other <laughs> decor. It's very cracker barrel, which is not kind of the overall aesthetic of their home but we don't need to get into that sally agrees that it's a bad coffee table marie's like the coffee table's out and harry's like you know what helen and i started out like this picking out tiles hanging art and the next thing you know five years later <laughs> you're singing sorry with the fringe on top in front of ira <laughs> and sally's like harry not now not a good time and he's like, no, I really think they need to hear this. One day you're going to get divorced and it's going to be awful. And you're going to fight over all your shit, including the stupid Roy Rogers garage <laughs> sale wagon
0: wheel coffee table. And I love that Jess's reaction to this is like, I thought you said I that you liked it. And Harry's like, I was being nice. <laughs> and so sally follows harry outside
1: and he's like yeah i shouldn't have done it and she's like yeah there are times and places for things you can't just like always express all of your feelings and he doesn't like to have her kick him when he's down in this way he's like you know what i don't want to take this from from miss hospital corners you never get upset about anything even joe Like, that never bothers you. And you haven't even slept with anyone new yet anyway. (laughs) And Sally is like, well, you're going to have to move back to New Jersey because you've slept with
0: everyone in New York. And that hasn't turned Helen into a faint memory for you. And then they both just kind of deflate. And Harry apologizes. I did appreciate seeing a male character who, like, explodes and then immediately is like, that was bad. I'm so sorry. Yeah, he doesn't double
1: yeah. down indefinitely. No, clearly he had to be the bigger person here, or he would start to be like, "Why is she wasting her time with this yes. guy?" Because um, there's the thing about Harry is that he has a lot of terrible qualities, he does. like. It would be weird to be best friends as a woman with a guy who treats women so badly, who like kind of manipulates them into bed when he has no intention of seeing them again and then slips out in the morning and like lies that he has to go to his squash game, even though he doesn't play squash. And you very at various points see Sally being like, oh, like, I'm so glad we never got involved. I would have just been another woman that you had to lie to when you left my bed in the morning. like." These are all very, like, unappealing qualities for a female viewer. So you have to have these redemptive sides where you see, like, well, at least he is capable of owning his shit sometimes. At least he can apologize. (laughs) And so they make up. We next see them at a dinner party. Some time has passed. They are playing what was apparently an improvised game of Pictionary. They literally just had Meg Ryan do Pictionary with the phrase baby talk.
0: Wait, really? I didn't know that.
1: (laughs) And she's trying to convey baby talk. By drawing a baby and a mouth with lines coming out of it, but all she can get Jesse to say is "baby fish mouth." Wait,
0: it's so much better that that's just genuine, genuinely what all of them (laughs) thought, and we're like so confused.
1: Imagine, imagine being like baby fish
0: mouth. They're like kiss the baby. That's a real kiss. Like that. Yes sir, that's a real. That's my baby. Real guesses. No sir. Babies don't say maybe. Baby's breath was close. I was like, Meg Ryan, you should have been like, yeah, similar to that. But then you never know how how similar people are going to think it is. Anyway. <laughs> also, I love that at the end, Jess is like, baby talk. Is that even a phrase? And Harry says, baby fish mouth is sweeping the nation, which also, I guess, baby must have mouth. been a Billy Crystal improvised line. It's so good. <laughs>
1: Uh, They're both dating new people that they have brought to this dinner party um, at Jess and Marie's. Emily is Harry's girlfriend. She is apparently a much younger woman who also runs a massive dessert empire. So she's got to be a lot younger than like 32, but also has a giant dessert making business, (laughs) which is actually quite impressive. It really is. She is, uh, Sally is dating Julian, a man that we learn is tall. Yeah. And age appropriate.
0: And, uh, takes people to baseball games.
1: Yeah. It's clear that they're both just more interested with each other's partners and what odd choices they are for, for their friends than they are, like, excited about their own partners, um, You know, Sally is being like Harry doesn't even like sweets, and Harry's like Sally doesn't even like baseball, and you know they're making little barbs like oh Emily is just so young, and Harry's like Julian is too tall to talk to, like they're just like they're just like ready to like deflate their their friend's new partner. They're jealous, but they haven't admitted it. Cut to Sally in an incredible perm and a bathrobe. In tears, calling Harry late one night,
0: sobbing, hysterical. She says, he's getting married. And Harry says, who? And she says, Joe. And he's like, okay, I've been training for this. I'll be right over. She says that Joe called her and told her that he's
1: marrying a paralegal in his office he just met.
0: Named Kimberly, which I also want to say... There is a line <laughs> where Meg Ryan talks about cocktail waitresses named Kimberly and You've Got Mail. So I feel like Nora just didn't like the name Kimberly. It's
1: like an entire generation of cocktail <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: waitresses.
1: Nora <laughs> Ephron hates Kimberly's. And she definitely hates women who are under the age of 25. She's like, it's rude of <laughs> them to be out there with their weird little names. They probably sign with, like, hearts over their eyes. Um but I think that it's fair to be pretty shocked that your boyfriend who broke up with you because he didn't want to ever get married is engaged to engaged like a year later to a much younger paralegal that he just
0: met No, I, too, would be hysterical, to be fair. I think so. This rewrites her whole vision of their relationship and their breakup. That is clearly the thing that's really destabilizing her, is that, like, her whole narrative and her whole comfort was, like, he couldn't give this to me. He wasn't capable. And so it's fine and it's right. And, like, you know, we're both going to have the things that we want. And then all of a sudden she's, like, and she says this to Harry – all this time I've been saying he just didn't want to get married, but the truth is he didn't want to marry me. He didn't love me. And this line, oh, my God, it, like, still gets at something soft in me watching it. Like, yeah, oh, just, like, the way that you tell yourself what people that it didn't work out with are capable of and the ways in which we, like, work to depersonalize breakups when, of course they're always in essence very personal.
1: Yeah. Oh, there's also something about the way that in these movies they'll they'll say like, oh, well you don't love me, he doesn't love me. I feel like nowadays we would say something more like He's not, in, he wasn't in love with me. Like, I feel like we're, we're much less
0: likely to view love in this like sort of binary way. Yeah. It's
1: like, well, you were together. There was love there. Like you love Or he each even other. was it in love was, with
0: you, but he didn't want to marry you. Right. Like, I think now we would right. separate those things.
1: There was like a more simple view of just like, he didn't love me because he didn't want to marry me. And he eventually would want to marry someone else. Um, that feels sort of satisfying. It's like, let's not caveat it, you know? Like, he didn't love me. And she weeps and she's like, I drove him away. I'm difficult. And Harry's like, you're challenging. <laughs> and she's like, I'm too structured.
0: I'm completely closed off. And he's like, in a good way. Doesn't this give you, like, some shades of uh, Mr. Big and Carrie? Wait, the Harry is Mr. No, Big? No, no, Joe. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Well,
1: but it's such a paradigm,
0: right? right just like, like, oh, my God, he said he didn't want marriage, and then
1: yeah. the next time I see he him... He wanted marriage he want- to a younger yeah. woman with
0: straighter, shinier yes. hair. <laughs> and I'm
1: just too complicated. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I think many women have probably experienced feeling like they were in that exact position. And she says, and I'm going to be 40. And he says when? She says, someday. And he says, in eight years.
0: (laughs) This still makes me laugh.
1: (laughs) It's so good. (laughs) So it's like, yeah, you could say I'm going to be 90, (laughs) but that doesn't mean it's about to happen. (laughs) And she's like, it's not the same for men. Charlie Chaplin had babies when he was 73 and Harry's like, well, he was too old to pick them up. He gets her to laugh and They start embracing he's holding her. She asks him to keep holding her. And then they just start, like, doing these, like, sort of chased kisses that I guess are just supposed to be normal kisses that you give your platonic friend who is not your romantic
0: partner. It quickly becomes more.
1: (laughs) Also, like, if I did have, like, a really platonic male friend, I don't think we would ever kiss on the mouth at all. But different, different
0: eras, I guess different I don't know forms. I feel like I I have had close male friends that I've kissed on the mouth when I was younger like when I was single and we like grew up together I don't know I don't think it's like totally out of just, the question I just like could
1: not I couldn't wrap my head around that I was like why are you kissing her right now I don't,
0: yeah but I don't know I grew up in, see, I in a was sum, right summer camp it was a community. slippery slope well it they is, just start making out it is a slippery slope if you, in fact, do actually in your core want to have sex with the other person. (laughs) Yeah. And
1: suddenly they're having sex. And after they have sex, Harry is clearly panicked. Sally is too blissed out to notice until she wakes up the next morning to him, getting his giant cable knit sweater back on (sighs) to slip out.
0: And it's like she sensed something was a little off the night before because he very quickly wanted to go to sleep. But then in the morning, she's like, you can feel that her stomach has dropped because she knows she knows him. She knows this routine. She knows what it means when he's panicking and wants to get out of there. Yeah.
1: She's like, you've literally told me how (laughs) you do this and how it's intentional so that you don't have to stay and deal with the morning. So of course I'm going to be having this reaction but he very calmly and sort of robotically invites her to dinner that night. And she's like, okay. And he's like, fine. And she's like, fine. And then he <sighs> leaves. They immediately, at the same time, call Jess and Marie to tell their best friends what happened.
0: And they both have the same narrative of what happened, Yes, actually. Apparently, they filmed this. Three different cameras with an actual phone line that they set up so that they could get the timing right.
1: That sounds complicated.
0: Yeah, but it's kind of incredible. I, assume, I assumed that they would, like, film these chopped up, but they filmed them, um, three different cameras simultaneously, and I think that's why it feels so, like, natural. Yeah, maybe so. Um, part of me is like, you guys
1: are working too hard, you know? <laughs> Chop it up. Um, but it's a great scene. They... They both relay from their various perspectives that they had sex, it was good, and then Harry freaked out, and now they both feel awful. Um, Harry feels terrible. Sally is embarrassed. At first, Jess and Maria are like, this is great. You were, you've, you're were you meant to be together. We've been praying that you would just, like, bang already. And then they realize it's not going to be like that, and they have to switch to damage control. <laughs> They both finally hang up, and Marie says to Jesse, tell me I'll never have to be out there again. Mm. He puts his arm around her, and he says, you'll never have to be out there again. They were, like, also sleeping, like, fully spooning. <laughs> there are, there are um, they've become the ideal couple. Yes. The representation of an ideal, like, happy, dual income, no kids, living the city life, blissfully in love couple. So before dinner that night, Sally and Harry both plan to tell each other that it was a mistake. And they both just hope that Sally says it first.
0: And she does. So and it works she does. Out for both of them.
1: They're at their spot, the same table where they, like, had lunch after they ran into each other at the bookstore. Those was, like, a year or so before. And Sally says it was a mistake. And he's like, oh, I'm so relieved you feel the same way. And I'm like, Harry. Oh. <sighs> You are so close to getting away with this. <laughs> Don't seem so relieved. And Sally
0: is is very hurt. Yeah. He's like, you know, of course, like it, it's not that it wasn't great. It just we shouldn't have done it. It was a mistake. And it's clear that Sally was hoping that he
1: would say something else, that yeah. she would say it was a mistake and he would push back or seem disappointed maybe even make a romantic gesture. And instead, he is clearly so relieved that she can't help but be wounded that he was clearly, like, trying to figure out how to get out of any implications of this. And so they fall silent. He's like, isn't it just so nice to be able to be with someone and not talk? She's just, like, eating her salad, looking miserable. Ugh. And... A chill enters their friendship. Um, they can't be... They can't get back that friendly intimacy that they They're had. just not
0: hanging out anymore. They basically yeah. stop seeing each other. Her- we see Harry and Jesse talking, and Harry's like, maybe it was just too late to have sex because we already knew all of each other's stories. Like, what did yeah. we have to say to each other after we had sex? I love that they cut this up into two scenes of them, like, in different, totally different settings talking yeah. about this to give the impression that Harry is actually obsessing over this. Yeah, he can't stop talking about it. And, we, and this becomes clearer as more time goes on that, like, Harry is, like, spinning out over yeah.
1: this. And at Marie's dr- wedding dress fitting, because, yes, now they are getting married, Sally asks if Harry is bringing a date, and Marie is like, uh, I don't know. But, you know, he was dating an anthropologist thin, pretty, big tits, your basic nightmare. <laughs> I'm like, that's very helpful, Marie. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> At the wedding, Sally is in white gloves and green taffeta. Oh, the end God, of this I was like, is it, is so it is so 1989.
0: We have not entered the 90s yet. Yeah. The, the style of the wedding, I was like, oh, I can't. It's just the 80s
1: it's like a it looks like a like a morning wedding or something yeah. and they're they're very 80s um uh, marie has like the the huge puff sleeves and like the the billowing skirt you know it's a very dramatic like renaissance inspired silhouette yes. um but you know what it's coming back around because i found myself looking at their dresses and being like Those are really cute.
0: (laughs) Okay. I was actually thinking that my feelings about that style have shifted. And I realized this time I was like, Oh my God. Yeah. Some of that, some of that has come back around.
1: Right. We now understand why our parents had such like terrible wedding dresses because actually when you really think about it, not so bad in a different, in a different style moment. Um, and it isn't like they are like our parents say. Like, I think yeah. that
0: like they graduated from college at around the same time that my parents did. Yeah. I'm like, they're, they're very much boomers. And yeah. Nora Efron and Rob Reiner are boomers. Yeah. And so, they, yeah, these they are, they have been our parents. These are our parents. This is our parents' generation.
1: Yeah. And, Sally and Harry are the attendants, so they are standing at the altar, staring into each other's eyes awkwardly as Jesse and Marie take their vows, and Sally clearly doesn't want to talk to Harry. At the reception, he comes up to her and tries to make small talk about how horrible the holidays are because we're in that holiday season again, and Sally says, a lot (laughs) of suicides, So we're into our second holiday season of their friendship and, and now they're, they're not friends. It's and not they're so miserable. Good. Yeah. It
0: sucks. Not
1: so much holiday cheer without without each other. He's getting frustrated. He's like, Are we gonna carry this thing around forever? And she's, she's like, like, it forever. just happened. He says three weeks ago. <laughs> That's forever. He's like, you know how a year for humans is like seven years for a dog? And she's like, is one of us supposed to be the dog in this scenario? He's like, yeah, and it's you. Like, yes, you are. <laughs> she's like, I'm the dog. I'm the dog. She storms off
0: and he follows
1: her. And she's like, I don't care. Well, see she that gestures Harry. to
0: him. She's like, she starts yeah, storming like, off. She turns around. She's like, come
1: here. I still want to yell at you, but just like, not right here. <laughs> And she's like, I don't see that, Harry. If anything, you're the dog. You want to pretend it didn't mean anything. I have to say, I don't think she is the dog in this scenario. Even just like, like he's the one who thinks it's forever ago. Yeah. So he should be the one who thinks
0: that more years have passed. It doesn't make sense.
1: He's the dog. He's the dog. He's like, this three weeks was such a huge part of my life that it's basically seven years.
0: And she's like, it's actually... Not that long at all. She's the I'm going to say Sally is simply correct in every part of this conversation. She's so correct. And it
1: just drives me nuts that she does not overtly point out. <laughs> and I think more people need to be talking about the fact that by his own logic. He's the dog. He's the dog. He just wants to call her the dog because he's being a dick. And he's mad that she doesn't want to be friends anymore. He's like, it, it, I just don't see why this has to mean everything. They end up going into the kitchen where the caterers are working because their fight keeps escalating. And he's like, look, I didn't even want this to happen. But you were like, I didn't, you know, it's like I didn't plan on Ugh. having sex with you that night. But you were just looking up at me with your sad eyes. Hold me a little longer, Harry. And she says, Ugh. what, you, you took pity on me? Fuck you, Harry. And she slaps him across the face. Look, I don't condone violence, but- <laughs> We never condone violence. I hope Billy Crystal is okay. <laughs> he, he did deserve that, though. <laughs> it's Christmas again, and now we get into our little holiday montage. Sally is now getting her Christmas tree alone. It's much harder to carry a whole tree by herself. And Harry is besieging her with voicemails offering to do, quote, the traditional Christmas grovel to make amends for for what he did to their friendship. Finally, she picks up during one of his voicemails. He has gotten the k- karaoke machine from Sharper Image and he is singing Call Me to her. <laughs> she finally picks up. And again, there's this, <clears throat> this moment where she's like, what does he have to say? Like, is he going to say something that would make this okay? Yeah. But all he has to say is I'm sorry. And like, she's heard that, you know, it's not really what she's looking for. It's not, it's not going to fix what's going on with their friendship.
0: He also asks her what she's doing for new years. Again, remember this is a new year's movie. Yeah. And he's like, look, I I don't have a date. So we said, we said we were going to go with each other if we didn't have dates. And this of course offends her even more. She's like, Harry, I just I can't do this anymore. I'm not your consolation prize. She doesn't want to fulfill that platonic friend transition role because she doesn't feel platonically about him. And she's not willing to pretend.
1: There is this way in which Harry is, and I think a lot of people feel this way in these moments where it's like, well, why can't we just get past, like this, just because we had sex doesn't mean that we can't like get past it in some way. But to have that kind of like trust and comfort with someone is actually so fragile and you can't just will your way past not feeling it anymore. And she was able to have this closeness with Harry because she was able to feel safe from him. Like she felt like in the relationship that they had, he understood her. He cared about her. He wasn't going to exploit what she said to him. He wasn't going to hurt her. And then she realized, like, I'm now in the category of women that he will do those things to. And I don't feel that safety and comfort with him anymore. Like, if he were going to act differently than he did with those other women, then we could have a romantic relationship on other terms. And I would like that. But instead, I'm supposed to just overlook that he treated me as carelessly as he did. Yeah, you can't.
0: It's you can't unring that bell.
1: Yeah. Cut to New Year's Eve. Harry is watching Dick Clark alone with Malomars. I want to say that I tried Malomars because of this movie, because he's got his little inner monologue going on, where he's like, this is great. What else do you need? You, I got the best cookie, Malomars. I got Dick Clark. I got my little toy basketball and hoop. And I tried the Malomars and they are not good. And I think that's just more evidence that... What's going on here is that Harry is trying to convince himself that what he has to celebrate New Year's with is good, but actually it's all garbage. And it's very sad. It's very sad.
0: Sally on the other hand is at the big party that they were all at last year, but without a date, enduring just bad joke after bad joke and like being like very aggressively dipped while dancing with like a bevy of terrible men. Yeah, she's at the party
1: with Jess and Marie, of course, but it's just not really the same as having her own date. You know, that's one of the shitty things about New Year's Eve as a holiday is that the whole thing is like a big party that isn't really fun if you don't have a date because everyone is going to make a big thing about kissing at midnight. It's so it's like, stupid. like, great, cool. Ugh,
0: New Year's Eve <laughs> I could just bad. go
1: to a party any other day of the year and not feel embarrassed about not having a date but I have to do this instead on New Year's, I guess. And so she's miserable. Harry is still trying to convince himself he's having a great time. He heads out to roam the streets alone. He's like, this is great. The streets are empty. I can catch up on my window shopping. I can get an ice cream cone. This is how you want to be spending New Year's Eve. But he's clearly sad, and he's starting to remember all those special times with Sally. It had to be you starts playing Uh,
0: the music
1: as he turns toward the party. He starts walking purposefully and then jogging soon. He's in a full sprint. (laughs) He's got to get there by midnight.
0: He has to.
1: And meanwhile, Sally is so sad to be at the party with no one to kiss her at midnight that she decides to leave, even though Jesse very kindly offers to kiss her, which is very sweet. And, Just as she's leaving, she sees Harry run in and he approaches her and he tells her, I've been doing a lot of thinking. The thing is, I love you. And she Mm -hmm. says, how do you expect me to respond to this? He says, how about you love me too? And she's like, you know what? It's New Year's Eve. You're lonely. That doesn't mean that you can just like say these things to me.
0: And then it strikes midnight and Harry gives the speech. Speech, which I also want to say was in large part ad-libbed by Billy Crystal. Really? Yes, he added he added things like the crinkle line,
1: and that is a real thing that Meg Ryan's nose does.
0: Yes. (laughs) So he says, "I love that you get cold when it's seventy-one degrees out. I love that it takes you an hour and a half to order a sandwich. I love that you get a little crinkle above your nose when you're looking at me like I'm nuts." I love that after I spend the day with you, I can still smell your perfume on my clothes. And I love that you are the last person I want to talk to before I go to sleep at night. And it's not because I'm lonely and it's not because it's New Year's Eve. I came here tonight because when you realize you want to spend the rest of your life with somebody, you want the rest of your life to start as soon as possible. (laughs) So good. I'm trying to keep the tears back. (laughs)
1: And Sally fumes. She's like, that is just like you, Harry. You say these things to me and you make it impossible for me to hate you. And I really hate you, Harry. And then they kiss. Auld Lang Syne plays. This speech from Harry is, I think, like the prototype (laughs) for modern vows. Yeah.
0: Like, That's I feel like point. everyone is always trying to reach for this. These, like, little things that only you as, like, an intimate partner of someone would notice. Yeah. And it, it's it's, like, in its specificity, but also its sweetness. And there are, like, just enough platitudes in it to make it feel truly romantic. But also it's, like, I love you because I see you. I love yeah. you because I notice all of the little things that make you you. And I love those things, too. Yeah. It's so good.
1: And it's a speech. You know, it's for an audience. It's It's got the jokes. Like, yeah. some of them are funny. Some of them are just sweet. It is, like, that perfect blend that people, I think, try to emulate when they are writing original vows <laughs> to Such give in front of point. their family and friends. Isn't there even – I feel like there is a TV show or something where someone – Fully just copies this for their vows or for a, a proposal, which probably um, I should have remembered and looked up before I taped this. <laughs> but that is how iconic it is. And the final scene is their couple interview. They, you know, throughout the movie, there have been these elderly couples sharing how they got together and how they knew that that the other person was the one Which also contains some of the most iconic lines, like when the woman is like, he came over to me and I knew, I knew the way you know about a good melon.
0: Oh, it's so good. (laughs) Yeah, we could quote a lot of those. We could
1: quote a lot of those. But in their couple interview, they revealed that they got married three months later and they had a huge tiered coconut cake, which are with a rich chocolate sauce on the side because (laughs) the cake can obviously get soggy if it's not on the side, especially with the coconut, which is so absorbent.
0: And then it cuts, and we get it had to be you again over the credits. Uh, I think we need a moment to process. We do.
1: We'll be right back.
0: Can you keep up? I like, love it. I am so glad that it's finally warming up. And it also means that I just want to have fun this summer and I don't want to be worrying about meal prep. And luckily, I can do something about that with. Factor, especially because they have so many meal options like protein plus, keto, vegetarian.
1: Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash L-T-S-I. We're back and let's dig in to to, I'm still emotional. Let's dig into some of the the components of this movie that we haven't really dug into yet. The couple, I mean, they're the heart of this movie. They basically are the whole movie, right? Like, this is really mostly a two-hander and that's like That's one of the great parts of a friends-to-lovers romance, which this is like the ultimate friends-to-lovers rom-com.
0: And also enemies-to-lovers. We get both.
1: Yes. Both in one. That's so true. I think
0: that's part of what makes it such an iconic rom-com, is that it deploys all of these tropes, and it does it so well.
1: I mean, and what a coup to combine the seemingly opposite friends-to-lovers and enemies-to-lovers. Right. Trope, And so then what you get is, like, the crackle and sizzle of an enemies-to-lovers romance, but the closeness and intimacy of a friends-to-lovers. They spend so much of the movie literally just having conversations. And in a lot of rom-coms, you actually don't get that much time between the couple.
0: Well, also, so many rom-coms take place over, like, an absurdly short amount of time. And mm-hmm. Nora generally, I mean sleepless in seattle is is very short amount of time, but like this and you've got mail like there is it's it's not like a week long crazy love affair, right? This is yeah, I mean, when Harry met Sally is eleven years,
1: yeah, it's about coming to slowly understand like who a person is and and where they fit fit into your life, and this you know to have a whole movie just based on that conversational flow between two characters is really risky. Yes. Because the couple really needs to have chemistry. And
0: and they do. They really do, which is which is weird, kind of crazy. Yeah, it is crazy. It is actually crazy.
1: Cuz the casting is sort of absurd. Like when I whenever I watch that opening scene when they're supposed to be like 21, 22, And Billy Crystal is... So old. (laughs) He's 40. And, like, at no point does does Harry even catch up to his age. He is, at every point, like, at least seven years older than Harry. (laughs) But for important parts of the movie, he is, like, almost 20 years older than his character. And Meg Ryan is 27. So she's, like, sort of in the middle of Sally's trajectory. But she's playing up for a good portion of the movie.
0: And it's, it really is interesting how this came together. Tom Hanks was apparently originally offered the role of Harry, which is interesting yeah. given that Tom Hanks went on to work with Nora a bunch and Rob Reiner went on to play Tom Hanks' best friend in Sleepless in Seattle. Um, but can
1: you imagine Tom Hanks as Harry? It doesn't work. It's hard to wrap It's my not
0: right. Billy, Billy Crystal is just <laughs> it really... It had to be the way it was. And and I think it is part of the reason it works is also because clearly Billy was kind of um, a third creative partner in this project. Like he came mm-hmm. in after a lot had been done, but he punched up the screenplay. He added some of his own conversations with Rob Reiner into the script. There is a lot of Billy Crystal in Harry. As much as Harry is Rob Reiner, he also has shades of Billy Crystal. And so… That does right. make it feel more more natural.
1: I mean, he's a comedian. He's right. a comic actor and a comedian. He's not really, like, a traditional romantic lead. No. And so you might think, like, I would certainly have thought if I were around at the time, like, reading the, the right. period, I would be like, really? Like, what cast? But, like, what he really needs to embody as Harry is, like, this very clear, engaging personality that that Meg Ryan's character can can engage
0: with. And it works. And it works. And Meg Ryan was kind of, yeah, as you said, this launched her. Like, she wasn't really such a known entity. And apparently, she came in for a reading with Billy Crystal, and they were just all like, oh, well, this is it. Like, wow, this actually just, this works.
1: Yeah, if she hadn't had chemistry with Billy Crystal, we might... Not have had the Meg Ryan era of of romantic comedies. Crazy! I just like I can't even wrap my mind around it. Um, and I think that like they also have this kind of believable. It's not just that their conversation flows. I do think that they have like a believable
0: sexual tension. Yeah, which again, like like, more so than Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan. I I was like kiss. kiss." Yeah, you want you (laughs) want them to make out.
1: Yeah. Just through the sheer like delightfulness of their of their dynamic together. Like the way that they that they engage with each other and you know, they speak to each other and they focus on each other and they look at each other and react to each other, um, is so sizzling. It just you just you just see them together like Marie and Jesse did. Fucking works. I also think that they fit into this like same paradigm that we see in you've got mail um later which is that harry and sally are gender representatives and that's like kind of explicitly in the premise of the movie in this case harry is cynical he's provocative he's coarse um one thing that Billy Crystal added was him spitting the grape seeds out the window just to like rough him up a little bit. And it bit is perfect and, him, like, and repellent. repellent. To Sally, who's
0: And it does give Meg Ryan a lot to work with. Again, her facial expressions are so good that the look of disgust she gets on her face when he spits yeah. that first grape seed. Incredible.
1: <laughs> She's like, I don't like to eat between meals. And I'm like, it's a great. Also, you're on a road Sally. trip. You're <laughs> like,
0: meant to be snacking. It's not a candy bar. <laughs> like sometimes I'm like, oh I'm on. Yeah. I agree with Harry in this exchange. And other times I'm like, how dare you, Harry?
1: Yeah. And yet they are like presenting these very gendered points of view, like at almost all times. Like he's cynical and coarse. He is the one who is lying to women so they'll sleep with him. He's explaining that all men hate cuddling after sex. And Sally is traditional feminine. She's optimistic. She's sweet. She's prim she of course wants to be held all night after sex at one point she reveals like her hottest recurring sex fantasy to him and it's just a man (laughs) ripping off her clothes and he's like and then what and she's like no that's the whole thing sometimes i i change i change what i'm wearing (laughs) i mean sometimes like most of the time it's just the same clothes are being ripped off um So, yeah, they both embody these extremely, these extreme stereotypes of what men and women are like so that they can be sort of played out in opposition to each other. Like men are from Mars, women are from Venus, which I think on some level, I'm like, why do I like a movie that is presenting this idea that's like women are like this, men are like that, like they're on two different sides and never the twain shall meet. But I think that a lot of the movie is actually not just exploring how those things that men and women either naturally or are socialized into feeling and expressing and performing. How those things are can feel very real and present and affect the way that we interact with other people. But also there are these complexities to Mm -hmm. it. There are these similarities that are that are covered over by these um by these gendered ways of expressing it and that's what they learn over time as they soften is that like my identity isn't just being the sweetest perkiest woman my identity isn't just being like a rough edgy man I'm I'm a man but I can be hurt by being in love and like I'm a woman but I can also you know
0: be angry and draw like, boundaries and yeah, want sex. Like, yeah, it complicates the stereotypes. And yeah, that allows you to kind of get past it, even though maybe on its face, it would be like, yeah, why, why do we love this movie? Um, <laughs> but I think that effectively, these characters are written as humans, both of them. And they are yeah. both given real... He- weight as human beings and so sure maybe they embody certain more stereotypical things but it's they're not I don't think they're surface level characters right they have other relationships they have friendships they like talk they have opinions on so many random things
1: yeah I think that actually one of the things that the movie is exploring between them is how they are each coping with with being interested romantically in a whole group of people who can seem so different from mm-hmm. them. And he copes with it through, like, deceit, basically, and manipulation. He's like, what do I have to say to these women to get what I want? How do I have to act to get them off my back, even if I that's not how I feel? And she is mostly in denial. Like, yeah. she's like, that's not true. Like, that's... No, men don't think that. You know, she lives in a world where men are just sort of like her under the surface and he is the person who punctures that illusion in a way but then she punctures also for him the illusion that women are these totally foreign creatures who need to be manipulated because he she learns that she can know someone fully and truly and he learns that like being honest and open with a woman doesn't mean that they'll be forever separated by
0: their differences. Right. In fact, it brings them closer. In fact, it is like the key in a lot of ways to a fulfilling and deep and true relationship. It's so beautiful. It's
1: what a so good movie. Something else I
0: wanted to talk about <laughs> is the enduring legacy of the fashion of this movie. Because oh my gosh, yes. Meg Ryan and, honestly, Billy Crystal's looks from these films are just all over Instagram. Every season, I see stills on Instagram or TikTok. There are a million, like, our autumn, you know, style Bible is Meg Ryan's looks from When Harry Met Sally. And it's mm-hmm. fascinating to me because they these looks, like, feel almost so classically american that they have been able to like transcend trend. Like there are a lot of these looks that are sort of all always on trend. Like I'm sorry, which of the looks are always on trend? Like blazers, cable knit sweaters. Like blazers.
1: Yeah, that's true. Cable knit, but like the look of the sl- of the blazer or the
0: sweater would be sure. Different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think that there are elements that like that. Yeah. I think that I've been listening yeah. to a podcast on the history of Ivy style, which is basically like classic Americana mm. that started with like Brooks Brothers and like happened in all of these iterations. And the argument this podcast is making is is basically that this became like the mainstream uh, American style, and it almost doesn't register as a trend anymore. And I think that there are elements of that sort of like collegiate style um yeah that are present in some of these like what we'd call basics that harry and sally are wearing white sneakers dark boots cable knit sweaters turtlenecks yeah straight leg neutral jeans. mock neck. yeah tops. neutral mock neck tops like but also i feel like some of those
1: things feel more timeless now because they're back in fashion right yeah. like i think the
0: styling of it is back in fashion Well, but not just, yeah,
1: the styling, but also like I don't think that women were wearing high-waisted straight leg jeans consistently throughout the past few decades. No, they are back. The
0: jeans certainly have have changed a lot. I think I was thinking of more of like the blazers and the sweaters, but it's certainly very back now. And also she wears so many hats. I love her hats. It makes me want to be a hat person. Well, what's hilarious to me
1: is that because we just watched You've Got Mail. So nine years later, Nora Ephron has Meg Ryan say that almost all hats are mistakes.
0: Yeah. (laughs) We do not see Kathleen Kelly going about in like bowler hats. You're right. That is a major (laughs) style change. Like hats are not things that I think just endure as neutral pieces.
1: It almost feels like a little Easter egg commentary for fans. That's just like, yeah, all those hats, they were a lot of luck. And when Harry met Sally, we've all changed since then. Um, they're, they're a very intentional, clear style choice. And also her hair, like, Ugh. as someone with not smooth textured hair, watching this movie is almost painful because I just want to, like, replicate all her haircuts. And I know oh that I, God, like, actually couldn't. They're
0: all good. They're all so good. The shaggy, you oh, kind so of have shags. that hair. It's, it's the not faves, the volume the shaggy... that she gets. I know it's probably all, like,
1: Aquanet and mousse. <laughs> And then she gets the perm later in the movie, oh, yeah. which I'm obsessed with. It's I'm so good. good. Every
0: every look, every hair style of hers is incredible.
1: That was the age of perms. My mom used to give herself perms. I remember what the bathroom would smell like. I didn't even know you could her perm hair. your own hair. Wow, you can do anything at home, baby. Doesn't mean you should, but you can perm your hair at home. <laughs> and Billy Billy Crystal. I mean, that was the thing that always shocked me when I was younger. I was, I was like, how can this man be attractive when he is wearing <laughs> straight leg jeans, light wash with a braided leather belt? A
0: white, white cable white knit and sneakers. a white cable knit sweater. Like a giant sweater. And yet I look at it now and I'm like, I would wear a lot of Billy Crystal's outfits. Yeah. You just
1: got to wear it with conviction and a good personality.
0: <laughs> I mean, just like a good White sweater with like some jeans and white sneakers, like that. Yeah, you you will see that on the streets of Brooklyn currently. Yeah,
1: one hundred percent. The huge,
0: huge white sneakers came back in a big way. Oh yeah, in the last they, few years they yeah. really did. Let's also talk about Nora's use of other media in her media because uh, I watching. You've Got Mail and Then This. I was really struck by how that seems to be a theme in her work. Mm. You know, we have a lot of book references and also, of course, a lot of references to other iconic movies. Um, yeah. In this movie, there is are repeated references to Casablanca. Really provides yeah. some, like, fodder for debate and discussion between yeah. Harry and Sally. When they first meet,
1: Sally takes the position that Ingrid Bergman, of course... Wanted to leave and become the first lady of Czechoslovakia. And he's like, Well, you just that means you've never had good sex. <laughs> and that's of course when she's like, I did with Shell Gordon. <laughs> he's like, It's impossible to have good sex with someone named Sheldon. And when they meet again and they they eventually become good friends, they speak on the phone late one night, Casablanca's on, they watch together. And she actually denies that she ever said that. She's <laughs> like, I, de- I would never have said that. She wanted to leave and <laughs> be the first lady of Czechoslovakia. I'm sure I didn't say that. So, like again, yeah, this she, she has, she has so- sort of softened her, her rigid practicality over the years. That she is, she's made room for a little bit more risk, exactly, and excitement in her life.
0: Harry also comments on the last line of Casablanca, which is, I think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. And he's like, that's the best last line of a movie ever. Mm-hmm. And it's just so perfect because this is, again, from the point where they are beginning to be very close. So it is just like speaking specifically to their friendship. And obviously yeah. also about the future of of their romance, which will ultimately for them be based in the beginning of a beautiful friendship.
1: Yeah, in Casablanca, it's like, well, the romance doesn't work out, but he gets to have a nice friendship with a man. Right. I'm I'm kind of glossing over the the complexities of Casablanca, but that's how it ends. <laughs> and <laughs> in their case, you know, it's a man and woman trying to have that friendship. And the, the, that's not the only motif. There's also the old Lang Syne motif where... Yes they they hear, they listen to it together first when they're friends and then when they have just you know declared he's just declared his feelings to her and right after they kiss he's like i don't know what this song means my whole life i don't know what this song means it, you have friends but you forgot them but you're supposed to remember them but how can you remember them if you already forgot them and she's like, well, anyway, it's about old friends. They smile at each other, and that's her last line before their their interview. Ah. Um, yeah, friendship. Um, yeah, that she likes to have this this earlier this classic movie that is sort of a, a thematic reference for for her characters.
0: Yeah, obviously, for you've got mail, it's shop around the corner and the godfather and sleepless in seattle has a ton of references to an affair to remember and so it is cool that you can see nora's own sort of like foundational film education coming up in the way that she's writing these screenplays right i mean people are interested in in
1: movies right movies become part of us just like books that matter to us. And so how can you write these convincing 1980s characters unless they're into movies? I also want to <laughs> say that the, of it. the
0: book that Sally is holding when Harry sees her from personal growth is titled Too Smart for Her Own Good. <laughs>
1: Sorry. <laughs> She's really trying to fix herself. We ought to give her that. She's like, I got to stop being so smart. <laughs> Oh, God. <sighs> so obviously the main, the, the central thread of this movie is the question of whether men and women can be friends. I think they really kind of undermine it because then they end up dating. So it's like, I guess they can't.
0: I, I think almost <laughs> like the question of <laughs> gentrification and <laughs> capitalism in You've Got Mail Norris sort of shrugs. She's like, yeah, this is the central thesis we're exploring, but we're not going to come to any hard and fast conclusions. Like, yeah. yeah that they doesn't ca- mean I have an answer. Yeah, like, they can be friends, but also, like, the sex can get in the way. And, like, maybe <laughs> both of those things are true, and maybe it's the conversation itself that is what makes this so rich. Like, maybe none of these questions actually have hard and fast, fast answers, and instead the joy is just in discussing them. Like, that's the basis for Rob and Nora's friendship, right? Just that they would be talking yeah, about relationships. And so... Yeah.
1: And they just, they were just friends. Right. Then, they
0: never had sex. It's right. And then they turned it into
1: a movie about a man and a woman who had one friend of the opposite sex, and then they fell in love. Um, but that allows them to kind of explore... Both questions of, like, how can men and women be friends when the sex part is going to get in the way? And also, how can men and women be in romantic relationships when they're so different and they don't really understand each other? And then it's almost like each one becomes an answer to the other, which is, like, you can, you through friendship, you can bridge those differences yeah. and have a healthier romantic relationship and... You know, maybe it's that the reality is like it's not really sex that gets in the way of their friendship. It's that they they are able to take sex off the table and have that friendship. What happens instead is more that they fall in love. And for Harry, at the beginning of the movie, maybe he wouldn't have seen a difference. But by the end, it's clear that there is a difference. I agree. It's so beautiful. I also like that they include those interviews because, you know, those are those are showing that there are just many paths to ending up happily married at 80. You know, a chance encounter in an elevator, an arranged marriage, an unexpected reunion. Like they all they all find a different path there, but it's clear that all these couples know each other really well. Yeah. They're finishing each other's sentences. They're being honest about kind of ugly parts of their stories in certain cases. Yeah, like
0: the, the couple who <laughs> who got, got divorced. divorced and then he got remarried like three times. Three times. And then they remet. But it, yeah, there is just like a feeling of all of these couples are content in what they have now. However, they got yeah, they there. Yeah, accept, they accept every part of the story. Yeah. And... I think that that you're right, that that's kind of a lovely message that like, yeah, we're we're telling you one story of like one couple who became friends and then became lovers. But this isn't prescriptive necessarily. Yeah. Before we wrap up, should we talk about why we believe this is a holiday and specifically a New Year's movie? Yeah, I mean, I know we've we've touched on it a little bit, but
1: I've come to feel very strongly about this as a holiday movie, re-watching it. Um, I think that it is actually exploring holiday movie themes, mm-hmm. like which often revolve around like, oh, the holidays are such a difficult time for people who are single and who are sort of separated from their family of origin through geography or... Happen stand- I mean, we never meet Sally or Harry's, like, families, parents. It's unclear if they exist or where they live. It's not part of it. But they're at this time of year that is about family. And at, at least with a partner, you can have a little family yeah. that you've made for yourself. And it's hard to go through the season alone. And so the holiday romance is often about the quest to just, like, find literally one person To celebrate shit with you so
0: that you're not so lonely. And of course, we think there are other answers to that conundrum. You know, like, you can build community in lots of unromantic ways. Um, (laughs) And also, obviously, this this movie only deals with, like, specifically heterosexual people. Um, Yeah. But... Yeah, it, it's such a heterosexual movie. It's, so, oh, it's <laughs> just a deeply, deeply straight movie, like in every way. It's extremely straight. <laughs> it's extremely gendered. Um, it is, as all art is, a product of its time. But yeah, I think that that theme of like those those feelings of longing, whatever it is that you long for in your life, I think can very easily be amplified around the holidays. And yeah. I think that that is why it's so easy to connect to this movie. Like, it gets a little colder. There's all these rituals. And... Yeah. Everyone is out there
1: singing Christmas carols together, and you're dragging a giant Christmas tree through the streets by yourself.
0: Like like a a chump. Which is a great and classic holiday movie single heroine set up like this also happens in um yeah sleepless in seattle when sandra bullock is like trying to get the christmas tree up in her apartment alone on like a system of like pulleys basically yeah
1: (laughs) yeah yeah i feel like this whole like um aesthetic is also sort of rooted in like the sex in the city sort of era and you know predates obviously we're in like the 80s to aughts boom years of like yuppies moving to the big city they get cool jobs they can live in sweet apartments they have hot dates they're living this like you know sort of single independent cool aspirational lifestyle but the holidays are this time of year that a lot of things are focused around family and a lot of these characters don't seem to have that connection with their... Like, I would just go home for Christmas when I was single. And it's like, Sally's not going to go home for Christmas, I guess. Like, where are her parents? So then, like, this becomes this moment where their lifestyle, which is fulfilling to them the whole year round, suddenly has put them on the outs from what the culture is expecting them to do. I just, like, every time that that I watch it, I'm just like... Why aren't your friends inviting you over for cozy caroling parties? I don't know. <laughs> so lonely. And then, of course, New Year's Eve, where the
0: whole point is to just make single people yeah, feel sad. Yeah, I mean, sad. New Year's Eve is a bullshit holiday, let's be honest.
1: It is. Why does it have to involve a There's romantic There's literally no, no I, reason. I, I don't, don't understand. understand. I
0: don't like it, uh, and it's rude. Yes, except
1: that I do like that it led to the to the climax of it When is, I Met Sally. It is a, a perfect, perfect
0: set up for this kind of declaration of love because there is something so just like, oh, fuck this shit. I just want to go home about so, being at so many <laughs> New Year's Eve parties. And so you relate to <laughs> Sally and then... She sort of resigned to, like, this is just going to be one, another annoying New Year's, and Harry shows up and makes this big declaration, and it's just, like, the whole feeling changes. It's, like, the way that falling in love and having another person affirm your feelings of love can just, like, make all of these things that seemed sad sunny again. And that is this party yeah. for Meg Ryan. Suddenly you're like, I love having a
1: big holiday where the point is to kiss Here's someone Eve, at the Maybe it's It works great. really well for my yeah. lifestyle. <laughs> maybe it's great. No notes. No edits. We're going to keep that. Yeah. I, I'm i obsessed with this movie. I, I feel like we could talk about it for much longer, but yeah. we're going to spare you. Uh, happy New Year's, everyone. We hope you had a wonderful holiday season marked by togetherness and community and not having to set up your holiday decorations all by yourself <laughs> which is so sad it can be fun too actually yeah. I actually used to love doing it by myself living alone have lived rules. alone for longer that um, was a
0: actually time. it's great and setting up your own decor <laughs> is wonderful yeah, <laughs> and on that note, that is it. We love to see it with Emma and Claire.
1: Love to see it is produced by us, Claire Fallon and Emma Gray and Stitcher. This episode was edited by Tamika Weatherspoon. Our theme music is by Tamar Haviv, and our art is by Celine Chang. Josephine Martirano is our executive producer.
0: If you like our show, please follow us, rate us five stars, and leave a review. And of course. Spread the word. Tell all your friends about Love to See It.
1: If you want to get in touch, you can email us at clareandemmapod at gmail.com.
0: You can also find us on Twitter and TikTok at Love to See It pod and on Instagram at clareandemmapod. And you can find our newsletter, Rich Text, on Substack at clareandemmapod.com.
1: I'm also on Twitter and Instagram at Claire E. Fallon. And
0: I'm at Emma Lady Rose. We'll be back next week. ditcher Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's Best Eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's Best Eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number 1 eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one Crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem
1: of a detour.